And we're back. We're back. I hope you enjoyed that break. Um, I made a pot of coffee. I made a house in the backyard to live <laughs> in, and now I'm moving in. That's how long that break was. Boom. It was an amazing break. Yeah, it's been a week since our last conversation. About- <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, I'm a really fast builder. <laughs> um, yeah, man, you you're doing a lot of building around here. Like you're, you guys are I really going for it. I would love to take credit for all the building, but uh, so I will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> By all means. By all means. Yes. Yeah, so our house is now awesome because of all of my building and my hard work. So wait. So are you actually saying that it's not you doing the building on your house? It's definitely not me. Like, um, have you seen me build anything before? We built that fence. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. The fence looks the really fence, nice. The fence does actually look really nice. There are yeah. a lot of warped boards. That's not my that's fault. That's not our fault. It's nature. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we are doing some patios. Hayden, Hillary's brother, built us a deck, and there's stairs to it now. And my wife put up a greenhouse. Yeah. And my brother-in-law Hamilton's coming over tonight. That was built a pergola. So are you gonna help him with the pergola? I'm gonna help him with the pergola. So would you say that could you build a pergola on your own? No. So he already knows how to build a pergola? I'm going to say yes, because he has the engineering mind to see it, to name it and claim it. Okay. And just that, boom, just, we're going to dig some post holes, mm-hmm. throw some big sticks in there, cement it, and then on Sunday, we're going to have some friends over to pergola raise. To do the pergola raising. Yeah. Here's my question. Do you see what, I, do you see what I'm getting at? No. Okay. You kind of have an idea of what this pergola is going to look like. Definitely. But you don't have the full picture. You're going to assist <laughs> your friend Ham- or, or your brother-in-law Hamilton or second for him. <laughs> Which brings us to our topic. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we want to talk about second shooting a little bit. <laughs> okay, that was horrible. Um, but uh, this is my question, man. What's your? Tell me your worst second shooting experience. Gosh, we're talking about our best second shoot. What, I just want to know what you think about second shooting in general. But let's talk about your worst second shooting experience. Okay. Well, it happened last summer. It was in Beaver Creek. No. <laughs> no. No. We need to delete that. <laughs> <laughs> I did not have it in Beaver Creek. Is that better? What's your worst <laughs> second shooting experience? That was actually an awesome experience. I just <laughs> riffing on AD. Oh gosh. Um, worst second shooting experience. Okay, I'll, I will share my worst experience for myself as a second shooter, where I felt bad about what I what I did. What you delivered? What I delivered. Oh no. Yeah. Um, it was kind of. I mean, it was obviously earlier on in my career as a photographer, and sure. I was shooting for a friend, you know, out here in Colorado, and I was being experimental with stuff, mm-hmm. which is good. I feel like there's definitely always room to experiment. But, yeah, of course. Um, and you need to. As a second shooter, I was like, that's kind of the freaking point, is you need to just, search, yeah, sure, nail some shots that the other photographer can't grab, but also just make them look freaking awesome with what you shoot. But anyways, um, I shot, like, all the portraits, like, all of them, at, like, F56 or higher. Oh, wow. And which isn't bad, but I felt like. That's not their style, maybe. Well, also felt like I wasn't really. I feel like those portraits, like at F5, F, F6, like those work awesome, like in an urban location when you can actually get pretty close to the couple. Sure. And mine were just like, I was still shooting wide and a nature landscape kind of backed it up. And it, it just didn't really work well. Looking at the photos, I was like, man, these kind of suck. Did you not do it intentionally? I know, I did it intentionally. Oh. You were like, trying to be artistic. I was trying to, like, just go for new stuff. I was yeah. trying to, like, yeah. And I, I realized that, like, I don't think I knew enough at the time to know that, like, F5.6 is a great aperture, but you have to kind of know what you're doing with it. Sure. Weddings to be intentional with it. Right, to make it look right. Yeah. So, um, and so I just kind of, like, felt like what I delivered to them or delivered to my friend was, like, a subpar product. Did they – did you talk to them? I didn't. I never – Talked about it, but they, ne- they never asked me. They never asked me about it until now. Until you, oh, about I was it like, now. it was me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I never verbalized this publicly to anybody, including myself. <laughs> until now, that's so funny. <laughs> uh, dang! Wow. Yeah. Um, so, 
Okay. I mean, that's that's not too bad. I mean, I like the fact that you are thinking outside the box. I think second shooting gives you that liberty to think yeah. differently. Did the second? Did the primary coach you, or not coach you, but like tell you what they needed or give no, you sort like, of you parameters? Thing. Like they're like, I totally trust you. Just do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, whatever I want. Oh, okay. Everything at five, six. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's what I want to do. <laughs> Suck it. Suck it. <laughs> oh, they did. I'm sure. What the heck is this crap? Yeah. Anyways, yeah. That's so, uh, do you have anything that you uh, are willing to share about? Yeah, man. I'm an open book, bro. I've made okay. some mistakes. I've done it. I've done. I've been there. Um, I think that my biggest mistake when I was second shooting, I should say I started second shooting. I love the idea of second shooting. When I my I wasn't a primary when I started my business. I was a second. Well, before I started my business, I was a second photographer. That's how I learned wedding photography. The first camera I went, I was an assistant, and he gave me his camera. He gave me his, you know, like a whatever camera he had in the car. And he was like, just go have fun. And he, I remember he said, I can shoot the wedding alone. You're just here, you know, because they, they have a second. They needed a second. But I've already, everything's covered. So literally shoot whatever you want. And I was like, oh, oh, so I can do no wrong. And I did all wrong. At first, <laughs> you know, I think there was one image that he was like, I'll use this. But he, he literally showed me like, oh, you did get here and let's review this. You did this one image, okay, everything else is bad, but it's okay, now let's try again. And that's kind of how I learned to shoot. So I praise and I love second shooting to this day. I, I love it. Um, but there was this one time I was second shooting for a fairly well-known photographer and fairly high-end as well, and I shot with um, bracketing on. And I didn't know that I had bracketing on. It was just that, it's that little button... Uh, for me, you just like hit it, and then you hit um, one of the uh, one of the what do you call it? One of the wheels. You roll one of the wheels, and it turns on. And so, what that means is, every three photos, the first one's under like half a stop. You know, not maybe not, you know, like a quarter of a stop right. maybe. And then the next one's exposed properly, and then the next one's under. Yeah, it's for making awesome HDR. Photos. Right, for making yeah. HDR photos. Uh, but I know it's on. I. I just, you know, and I wasn't shooting three, you know, I wasn't shooting HDR. I was just shooting everywhere. And so every photo, the only the third photo was on, <laughs> on. And so he was not happy. He saw it and he was like, "How? you know, you're a professional. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, dang it. I just, I wasn't reviewing my in-camera photos and I just didn't notice. You know, I was yeah. just shooting and... And it wasn't like a crazy bad deal. Obviously, he could have, he could fix it, but it gave him like an extra hour of work or something. And I felt bad, you know. I was like, oh, I'm I'm a professional, and it, it leads me to like, uh, I think the same photographer in another situation. He had bought a new camera, and he's like, I was like, what? And he was taking a trip. I was like, what'd you do on your trip, bro? Like, or, or what'd you do on the plane? And he was just, we we're just talking. He's like. Oh, I read the manual. And I was like, what? You read your camera manual? He's like, yeah, I'm a professional. Like, you haven't read your manual yet? And I was like, no. <laughs> and so this is years ago. And so I told myself, whenever I get a new camera, I need to read the manual. I need to know the ins and outs of all the capabilities of this machine that I'm using. And so I learned from it. Now I'm like, yeah, I've read the manual. I've like, you know, I don't use all the things that I, I read in the manual, and maybe I skipped over the movie settings or something like that, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't do film, but but I, I I know more than I should about it, and I think that's good. Yeah, that's and good. so I mean, most people probably wouldn't say that, that they know more than they should. Yeah. Why so did you take that thing off of your... Uh... <laughs> I think it just didn't diffuse the noise in my Okay. okay. <laughs> Second shooting. Now, as many of you are probably in this situation... I feel like there are some serious perks to second shooting, mm -hmm. such as going to very cool places, sure, eating delicious food, mm. come on now, drinking delicious beverages, delicious beverages. So, do you have any uh, second shooting stories where you white places? Where you like just had a freaking awesome time? Sure, man. Oh yeah, I have plenty. I have plenty. 
Um, there's one time we, we were shooting at an elementary school. We had some chocolate milk. And it was, <laughs> I was just, I'm just kidding. But who doesn't love chocolate milk? It's so That's delicious. So like, even today, I'm like, yeah, I'll have some of that. Like, Where did you have it at? I'm, I'm joking. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm just saying, I, I do I'm, love I get excited milk. for a second because I love yeah. chocolate milk. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with chocolate milk. I had a really nice chocolate uh, yogurt the other day from Trader Joe's. It was like this Belgium chocolate, not yogurt. Pudding. Okay, I was gonna say that sounds kind of yeah, that would be weird. Yeah, chocolate pudding, but it was like the perfect chocolate pudding, Belgian from Trader Joe's. Anyway, uh, so really, really weird aside. Okay, I went to China. We got to go to shoot a wedding. Literally, we we shot portraits on the Great Wall of China. That's insane. Yeah. Insane. This is my first time in China. <laughs> And I have a, a backpack on of gear. I'm shooting, and I don't really. I'm just like having fun shooting stuff. All the there's a lot of Asian people or you know Chinese people on on the Great Wall as well, and they're all calling me Michael Jordan. They're like <laughs> Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, and they're giving uh, peace signs to me. It's very amazing, and everyone wants to take my photo. We almost couldn't work. Because seriously, yeah, they didn't. They had never. Well, some of them had never seen an African American in person. Besides, you know, besides, besides, besides <laughs> or, or people, because they were like Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, and they were calling me, and I was like, yes, yes, I am Michael Jordan. <laughs> yes, come, ha- come, have your photo with Michael Jordan. It was, it was fun. It was pretty amazing. Um, and the couple put us up in like this really, really beautiful. Um, you, I guess you could, even, you know, it was like an air. A bed and breakfast, but it was like a mansion in a sense that I had my own room and living room and bathroom. Swanky. You walk out, I could see the Great Wall of China out, you know, in the distance from where we were staying. We had breakfast in this other place. You know, it was like, it was fantastic, you know, and I was like, wow, this is like, this is the life, you know, like, and so hiking up the Great Wall of China, taking photos, um... It was it was surreal, but obviously it was real. I hate using that word because it's real, but it felt kind of out of this world yeah. and and odd when I was doing. But second shooting took me there, you know, like second shooting. You know, I I believe second shooting has taken me where I am today. Like a lot of my favorite photos are from the liberty I have from yeah. second shooting, or I've gotten. From uh, I definitely feel that way. I mean, I feel like I've shot couple weddings with my good friend Gene Tees up in Minnesota. Shout out. Shout out to Gene. Um, I don't know you, Gene, but I like you. Gene is awesome. <laughs> and I have shot stuff with him that, and I think I had a certain freedom with him, especially to just kind of do my thing. Sure. And it was actually really awesome looking through the blog post or whatever that he curates for his clients from using both of our photos, because I feel like him and I are such a compliment to each other when we're shooting, because... We do shoot in a bit of a different way, but I feel like when you merge it together, it's really, really strong work. And That's I, cool. So, I mean, it was it's just fun to see it all come together and to yeah. help, you know, a friend's vision really, like, go to the next level. I think that, that what I, was what I loved is, like, seeing that I took images for him that he wanted to use. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, he's so talented on, on his own that he doesn't need my stuff. But it was just fun to see, like, a really, a whole wedding from both of our perspectives kind of come alive. Yeah. Do you still second shoot? I do, yeah. I don't do it as frequently as I would like, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I would love to second shoot like once a month or, or more than that, honestly, sure. because I think there's so much freedom and fun in that. And I think one of the fun things about having friends around the world is if you happen to be in a new spot, you can shoot with them. And sometimes it's for getting images that you want in your portfolio, but a lot of times it's just for hanging out with friends and just like connecting. It's and, just fun, yeah. yeah. A chance to see the world and or a chance to just hang out with a friend in a new place, an excuse to hang out with a friend, I guess. Yeah. Um, I shot with a friend a couple of years ago down in Cinque Terre in Italy. I was in Estonia for a workshop I was teaching. A lot of words. And uh, Places. A lot of places. A lot of names. And so I, I texted him and said, hey, man, that's, we should hang out. And he's like, I have a wedding in, in Italy if you want to come down. So I came down, and he didn't need a second, but we're buddies, and so we hung out, and we like both love to eat so we went to this like awesome restaurant mm-hmm. had awesome wine and smoked some cigars and it was a blast like just hanging out and we shot the wedding together and it was fun so hopefully I you know I think I hopefully gave him some stuff he would want to use but in general it's just like kicking it with a friend yeah and that to me is one of the best things about this career is the fact that you get to meet people in yeah. crazy places and ultimately build real friendships with them so I don't know if like second shooting has been a great way to just 
build friendships. Right. Do you, uh, let's talk about it from the business side, you know, because I think it's a big part of second shooting. Um, do you, do you think that I've heard, I talked to someone that said he doesn't think it's fair that people second shoot, uh, with, they have second photographers that are also primary photographers. Interesting. Because he doesn't think that the client, for for a few different reasons, the client should be, shouldn't be getting two primaries. It's, they're not paying enough for that, in a way. And so that's something that he thought. And then I also kind of think that my time is a little bit more precious to me now. Like, sure. I've I've worked pretty hard on, you know, kind of my style and so my and my photos. And so giving my photos to someone who will then use them in uh, maybe on their website, to me, is a little bit of like, no, like I'm not going to do that because uh, I run a business. And so I don't want you to use, like I don't mind making photos with you and creating with you for the client and for like we're friends and I don't mind that. But I have to be fairly clear with my friends. Like that's why I pretty much only second shoot with people that I know. And we trade a lot so that I'll shoot for them and they'll shoot for me. Um, there, but they won't use my photos on their website because then I'm competing with myself, right, yeah. and that really bothers me. Like that idea that I'm competing, I'm throwing a lot of ideas at you. But you know, one is like, hey, you know, is it fair to give you know two primaries for a job? Uh, do you think that second shooting is there? How how do you price that? Well, I like, mean, what's your? There's there's yeah. nothing back here. I think the first thing is what is it, what is fair? What does it even mean? Sure. And I think that's the thing is that that word is I think it really doesn't hold a lot of value in terms of you know what's fair, what's not fair. Um, for example, if we had ten dollars to split between the two of us, and I offered you, you know, you might say like five bucks is fair. Um, and kind of say like what you know, what how do you define fair? Like if I offered you like, hey, you want four dollars of those ten bucks? You you might be like yeah, four bucks is better than nothing. I'll take it. And you might be like yeah, I feel good about that because you made money. But, like, if I offered you eight bucks, would you feel like, yeah, like you definitely would take that because you'd be getting more of the cut? Like, what is really fair? Like, it's, and that's, you know, I think there's more to that example than when I'm. Well, yeah, that. but let's, but, let's but talk about what is fair. Like, well, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing is, like, I, mean, I just don't know if, like, fair is a great way to gauge something, first off. That's my first point. Okay. So I just, like, that's one thing. Second thing, though, I think you're bringing up, though, is actually, I think, really insightful. And I think it's actually something that we, as an industry, need to, need to correct. I think for a lot of us, we get started shooting with friends, and we're, we're all kind of, like, collaborating together, and mm-hmm. so there's this culture of friendship. Like, you do you, I do me, we're kind of doing our own thing, um, and you kind of work up alongside each other. I think that's, that can be really great, but this but what ends up happening is exactly what you said, is, like, you end up having to compete with yourself. And that, I think, is where there needs to be a shift in how we approach second shooting. Um, towards kind of what you're describing, as like, yeah, you know what, this is work for hire, you can't share the images anywhere. You don't get to publish them. You don't get to do anything with them. Like it's you're shooting for me, and that's it. Oh, the primary, the primary says that yeah, to the, the secondary. Second, I think the yeah. primary we should say that to the second more frequently. Oh wow! But with that, I feel like that to me would then prefer that the second should get paid more, more because well, yeah, go ahead. And yeah, and so um, there's that. I see. I don't think let's say the normal rate. You know, for me, if I second shoot, I you know it's like five or six hundred bucks. Uh, you know, I don't think that's a bad Saturday, but I'm raising that rate. Like I now, I'm just like I'm not shooting for less than a grand or something because it just gets. It, it's not a bad Saturday, but for what I do, like it's almost not worth it sometimes. Right. You know, not for my work, but for what my business runs for. It's kind of like all right, I need a control kind of where I'm putting, spending my time, I could work on my website for that Saturday or, sure, yeah. or whatever, or just rest, you know? And so my time is just becoming more worth it. And, um, but at the same time, you know, I think maybe the rate, let's say if it's, I don't know, $50 an hour for, depending on if someone's just starting or whatever, then they're making a good amount, a decent amount of money, yeah, right? Yeah, that's not great. Yeah, that's first, but you know, for a skilled trade for an artisan, you know, I, I think, but um, yeah, I guess I don't know. I, 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 I probably wouldn't ever shoot with someone. If someone told me I couldn't use the images from second shooting, they would pretty much have to pay me my full booking rate for me to actually work for them. Like, I'd be like, no, like, 
I don't, or if they said something like, yeah, you're shooting for me and I get to keep the images, but I also really care about my images more than I probably should. Like, I'm just like, no, this is mine. It's my baby, you know? And I could lose some of that, but for me to create as much as I, you know, to the fullest of my capabilities, I have to be like, I have to think of it as, as something that I'm birthing or whatever. It's a little romantic, but you know what I mean? And so, um, well, I think there's also this notion that too, that like, for example, we've shot together before, mm-hmm. and I've always been like, you can use the photos if you want. But mostly because I know you have such a killer portfolio, you don't need a second shooting wave with me to get something. And if you do, we shoot such different ways that you would your shot would be so different than what I would have got there anyway. Sure. I just don't feel like there's... I know, like, yeah, you're most likely not going to use anything that you shoot with me because yeah. you don't need it. Um, yeah. And so there's it's kind of like that. It's like, yeah, like you don't need this content. No, but, but this, this I think my... this It's funny because I actually really enjoy second shooting, but I'm sort of now coming into this, like, oh, like, I was second shooting with a buddy, and, like, I could tell you three of my competitors' websites that I've worked for and I second shot for, and on, in their portfolio is a photo that I took, yeah, you know, or three fo- And that's, like, a, for me, it's just, like, man, now I'm, literally they're com- I'm competing with myself. Sure. And that really bothers me. And just a, f- a couple weeks ago, I don't know, anyway, I shot with a buddy, great guy, I love him, you know. And this is not on him. It's actually his photograph. But I posed the bride in this certain way, in this certain light that was like, this is very much, oh, this is what AD is doing right now. He changed everything and made this shot. He also took the shot, which I think he should have. You know, he's the primary. You can do whatever is happening. But it's this, from this angle, from this thing, in this light, from her, everything was my creation, which for me is like, this is what I have to offer in photography is kind of how I, I see the light, and then boom, oh, you stand there, you should put your arms like this, boom. Like, this is going to be amazing. And he took the shot, and he posted it. And I was at a wedding a couple, like, a weekend ago, and a planner was like, wow, look at this shot. Isn't it amazing? And <laughs> she pulled up the exact same shot from his Instagram. I hadn't, I didn't post the shot, because I, I, for me, it was just like, whatever. You know, I didn't, yeah. you know, I didn't even think, I think I deleted the images. I was second shooting. Uh, but you know, but he still posted it, and I was like, "Wow, I'm competing!" Like of all the photos that she saw on his site, right. she picked out mine. She was drawn to your yeah, and but now it's his, right. and so I was like, "Dang it, man!" Like I love the guy; he's a really good friend, and I, I'll tease him about this. But in my mind, I'm like, I, "Maybe I should I shouldn't second shoot. Like maybe I or I should get paid more to literally compete against myself. Right. Like, now when someone's going to book me for a wedding, if they're looking at this guy versus me, they're going to be like, well, they do something similar. I'll just book this other guy. You know what I mean? And so... Well, I mean, <sighs> that, even the, going back to what you're talking about, seeing your work in someone else's portfolio, that to me is, I think, a whole other aspect of this, too, is where I would never put a second shooter's photo in, like, my curated gallery as, like, my work. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel good about that personally. Sure. Because I feel like... If or you don't even need to. Yeah, Why right. would you need to do that? You're, you have a great portfolio. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Like, I don't feel the need for that. Um, on the flip side of that, there are... like I've had people who've shot weddings for me as an associate. Like, they've worked for me. And I've posted one of those images or those images into a portfolio piece into like a curated gallery because that's, you know... It represents the body and work and it's work for hire. And, and sure. I, I wasn't... Wait, what do you, what's the difference here? Sorry, you you wouldn't put it in like... Yeah, Levi. That, that's what I, I kind of want to get at too is like, so there's... Because um, I think there is a bit of a difference. I think there's a difference. And if you, the who are listening, think there's not, like hit us up because I think this is interesting. So one side is um, a second shooter being at a wedding that I was at, they took a better shot than I did. And then I feel like, ooh, I want, I'd rather get credit for that shot and really have people see it. So I, they post it somewhere. Or I'm sorry, I post it on my own website or my Instagram or my portfolio as like my part of my work. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I was present and I missed the shot. That's kind of the way I see it. As present, I missed the shot, but I'm still been like, this is still like. Still under the umbrella of Levi T. Right, right photography. Under, sure. under my umbrella. So I'm like, and I don't feel like I, that's not what I want to do because I don't feel great about that. However, in the inverse, I've had associates who've shot for me, shot weddings. This is like a, a thing that's been, you know, that happened where I had associates shooting a couple weddings a year for me. And I wasn't at that wedding, mm-hmm. but I want to like showcase, hey, I want to shoot more work like this. So I posted a shot from the wedding or something like that in a feed so I can... But I feel like it's... The reason I feel like it's different is like one shot I clearly missed. Like they were shooting with me. 
I was also there. I didn't see the thing. They took a better shot than I did, and now I want to make myself look better by posting this other thing. Other posting on Instagram? Is that what you're talking about? Either way. Instagram, my, you know, as part of my curated portfolio, anywhere. Anywhere that like, showcases, highlights as like, my best work. Sure. Whereas another shot being like, I wasn't present. I wasn't able to photograph it, but I'm trying to showcase what, what, you want. what, I, what I want out of this and make they nailed it. <sighs> I, feel like it's, I do feel like on one side, it's the exact same thing. I don't think it's the same thing, man. I, because I think – I don't think in either case – well, this is just my personal – I don't think that you should claim it as your own if it's not yours. Unless, that, but then again, then again, you are Levi Tirin in photography or, you know, or whatever your entity is, right? And it was the faculty of your entity that made this – that brought this about. Right. You know what I mean? Like Mercedes – Make some McLaren or use McLaren to do to make a car called the Mercedes McLaren, but they call it the Mercedes McLaren. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I think that it it would be wrong for Mer- no, that's not true. It'd be, I was going to say it'd be wrong for Mercedes to say I'm using McLaren parts and not credit McLaren. Um, but if they but they do credit McLaren, the difference though is sometimes, let's say for cameras. Uh, Sony makes the right. Nikon yeah. parts. Yeah, they make the sensor. For Nikon. Yeah, but guess how much Sony gets paid for that? I think that, that's the difference. Is Sony gets paid so much more for making these parts than you know? So Nikon knows, like, hey, like I can say, I, you license it to me, and I can use it fully, but I'm also paying you for that. Right. Where, and, and that's I think for like a second shooter, I didn't, you know, pay like a second shooter rate. But for an associate, they got paid an associate. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. So it's an associate rate. They're paid. But I think, the, I yeah. think the part, of, part of the reason it gets a little murky is the fact that it's under my name. The brand's under my name, Levi T. Arena. But so maybe I need to start stop thinking of the brand as a personal brand. Sure, exactly. And more of a business name. Or, you know, it could be... Like an entity. Yeah. This is a... Just like if you were like Kate Spade. Kate Spade, oh, this is a bad example, but, you know, rest in peace, Kate. Sorry. Being dang, the first person coming to mind. Dang, bro. Sorry. Dang. But Kate Spade obviously didn't make every single bag herself, but it has her name on it. But you know, like, some other person made that bag. Sure. You know, like, it's her design. But it's not even maybe designed by her even, you know. But you know, like, it's an entity. And I think that's maybe how we need to approach some of this stuff more is that these are creative brands that are coming together and they're bringing people underneath them. I just don't like, like an Instagram, I feel like it seems more personal and I, there's like a caption rate for that photo. I just feel badly sharing someone else's photo and like taking explicit credit for it for myself. Like, yeah, like love this shot, blah, 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 versus like having it. And even in my gallery, but you know, at the same time, I'm using photos from associates and it's not a ton of stuff, just some stuff I want to have other associates mm-hmm. shoot. But it's that line of like... Do you, but... Okay. And I think that's fine. I think the way you're describing it is actually like, okay, it's making me like think, all right, maybe I should rethink this a little bit. Because I've been pretty much, since I started as a second shooter, I'm very protective over my second shooter, my, my images. And what there's a clear line between what's mine and what my second shooter shot. And I, you'll very, even blogging, you'll very rarely see my second shooter photos in my blog. You know, but... Just because I want my clients to know that everything here, I can do. Like, I did all of this, pretty much. Website, everything is mine. Not one photo. But I also don't have associates right now. Right. But I don't know that I would be opposed to saying, hey, so-and-so shot this, like, under my brand. Or so, you know, like, when I have a second shooter shoot for me for a wedding, I always credit them in a blog post. I'm like, hey, this person rocked it out. This person came and created um, well, I actually, I actually did that exact thing. On a, I shared a photo from a wedding that one of my associates shot, and I tagged her in the photo and said, you know, so-and-so shot this photo. Um, so stoked to have her part of the, you know. For, like, Instagram yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah. Instagram. And I gave her a shout-out. I was like, she did this for me. Yeah, I think that makes sense to yeah. me. Like, why not? I think, but I get it. We're It's a business, but we are hiring other businesses, and that is a little, you know, it's a second shoot. Right. As opposed to hiring, like, or in-house or someone who... I don't know. I, I don't know. I think maybe I'm okay with uh, people second shooting for me. I just think I'm going to start being a little more protective over who I second shoot for, which maybe I'll do that with price. Ugh, man, now I'm just thinking out loud, and it feels weird. Um, <laughs> Tell us what you think. Talk, let's talk about second shooters. We, I think this will not be the last episode about this. Yeah. We want to hear what you think. Hit us up uh, at Levi T Arena on Instagram, Twitter, and... 
yeah, and at Donya Jaja. Uh, before at Instagram, I, I'm on Twitter too, but I'll need to fix that. Uh, before, and that's A D O N Y E J A J A, guys. Everyone's, everyone's, <laughs> so but, you know, <laughs> they'll figure it out. They just hit it, repeat, hit repeat. Uh, I want to ask you one more question. Okay. Um, or I want to do one more segment, photographer of the week. Mm, yes. uh, but let's come right back to that after this short break. Introing like. Yo, welcome to the Blacklight Podcast. This is Levi T. Arena. <laughs> Did you just say yo? Yo. <laughs> <laughs> yo, welcome to the Blacklight <laughs> Podcast. This is Levi T. Arena and Adonia Jaja. <laughs> this is the first podcast with an intro. I like that we have an intro, finally. Yo. <laughs> yo, welcome to the Blacklight Podcast. Uh, wow. Wow. Dude. Um... So this is actually the second time we're recording the intro to this podcast because we just started recording and then I asked Levi a question that was involved, uh, that was so involved that he couldn't answer the question on the air. What, what I mean is Levi had to sign an NDA and, uh, right? Yes. And so you can't talk about the thing that I thought would be really cool to talk about on, on the air. I didn't realize can we even talk about this, about the fact that you might have told me about it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, That's we don't know it. what we told you, so. Yeah, yeah. But I, the question comes down to NDAs. Yeah, NDAs, man. Golly. I just feel like, I mean, I mean I've, had, I've only had to sign maybe three uh, in my career. And, but they're usually, for those of you who don't know, it's a non-disclosure agreement. It's something that you might sign with the planner or with the bride that says, uh, you're not allowed to uh, show these images legally. To disclose them. Yeah, anywhere. Um, but to anyone besides the client. Um, and so the problem is, obviously, we as photographers, we use our images to like show off what we do. And so a lot of people get around this by charging more when they have to when they have to sign an NDA. Um, so that for, therefore it justifies what. Uh, what they would have got from the publicity of, yeah. of the wedding. A lot of people look at it as a loss of compensation, so they charge their client maybe the cost of another wedding or whatever they think they would be losing out from not being able to show the images somewhere. Right, right. Um, but, I mean, the way I look at it is it's really annoying. Like, uh, not, no, I, I shouldn't say that. I don't mind it, but th- some of my favorite ed- images ever are... I can't disclose. I can't show you. And I'm, I love creating images. That's, like, why I do it. I want to, like, keep pushing the industry, pushing myself. And so being able to, like, say, hey, we worked really hard. Look at what we did. I have, like, probably five or six key images. And I'm like, man, I wish I could show off those photos. I feel like but, NDAs are the perfect intersection of art and business. Hmm, because okay. with an NDA, it, it really does take on the business side that you're there to make money you're doing a job sure and you can't disclose the images but if you're thinking with this business mind it doesn't matter because you got paid your numbers but Um, the art art wants to be seen exactly but the art on the other hand then can't be seen and so that creates this dichotomy or this paradox where you are yeah like are you running an art-based company or running an actual business that's making money. And obviously oh, you can do wow, both. Wow, bro. But wow, I see what's going on here. <laughs> Are you running an actual company? Yeah, I mean, AD is just running a little feel-good uh, fairy Art. dust land. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but whatever. You know, I, don't, I actually don't mind it. I, now, like, I'm, tr- I'm getting over it, especially because my clients pay me enough for me to say, okay, whatever. Whatever you want. Whatever you need. I just know that I, I push myself. I mean, in any wedding. And so I the art side of me does want to show it off a little bit. I'm, I'm, or just not to just show it off. I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I think there's a couple images that I'm like, man, no one, no one will ever see these. You know, like I showed another photographer who, who just was, uh, who I wanted to help curate and like work through the images after I was done. And he was like, AD, this is your magnum opus. This is the best wedding you've ever shot. And I was like, oh, Thanks. But no one will ever see Okay, it. so something I've always kind of wondered about that is, do you feel like it de-incentivizes photographers from doing their best work? Like, if you know you, like, I mean, okay, I know you're obviously going to work for your client and get them the best images possible, but if you know that the images can't be seen by anybody, do you feel like that reduces your 
incentive to make these insane images knowing that no one will ever see them. They will never get you more work. No. No. So I will say that for weddings like these, or at least in my opinion, it, there's no way that it won't get me more work because there's so much involved in the wedding. There's the planner. You know, there's the florist who's doing these insane installs. Yeah. And they're... You know, there's so much more involved in actually just putting this wedding together that there's no way that it won't get me more work. It will, in fact, get me more work That's just true. because I'm yeah. like, because I'm shooting it, because I'm there, because I'm running in the circle with these CEOs or whatever. They're like, oh, all of a sudden, AD is that photographer, or Adonia Jaja, if you will, is that photographer. <laughs> and that's that's what I want. I yeah. want them to know that I will take care of them, keep their stuff safe, and keep their stuff, you know, I won't disclose it. So I get it. I get it. I think it does yeah. beg the question, too, at that point, of where you're finding your work from. So, for example, sure. if you if you feel the need that I have to show these images to get more work, um, that's... Not showing the images will obviously prevent you from getting work. But if you're getting work primarily from planners or for some other vendors, it doesn't really matter where your work is showcased or if it's even showcased at all because exactly. the, your work is coming from the planner more so than just people finding you randomly on Instagram or something. Yeah, I think there's, in the industry, there's like, there's so many ways to get work. I think, like, maybe the younger crowd might see Instagram and think, oh, I have to be Instagram famous, how, you know... And I'm always surprised when I get an inquiry from Instagram because I don't normally get work that way. And, you know, I don't invest a lot of time into it. I, I, I Instagram, but I'm not great at it. And so my, uh, you know, I see some, like, of my competition, like, paying for followers and, like, their, uh, their response rate is really bad. Or what's the, I mean, not their response like rate, their, their engagement. Yeah. You know, they have, like, you know, 20 or 30,000 followers, but they have 10 or 15 comments. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. But I don't know if clients actually look at that. But I know for me, my clients don't come from Instagram. And so I don't even, I don't even worry about buying it or trying to, you know, work on it too much. But maybe they would start. But you're right. It depends on where you get your clients from. And so I don't know that blogging it for me helps me get more clients. For me, like showing it off on Instagram or blogging it, uh, is either one for the client and then for, like, the respect of my peers. Oh, sure. I, I appreciate when a photographer looks at it and says, oh, wow, you did this differently, or, oh, I like the decision you made here. Like, that was interesting. And because uh, that's, for me, I mean, if we're, you know, photography is a series of decisions. And so I love thinking about making great decisions on the wedding day, like a chess game. But... <laughs> That yeah. I will beat you at. Um, so, uh, uh, come on, come on. so actually, though, what we talked about last week has been simmering in my mind for a while. Yeah, well, what, particular that your thought about um, how you view the world from a place of lack or from a place of abundance. Sure, sure. That has been just on my mind constantly oh, oh. for the past week. Honestly, oh. just thinking well, about that. What part of it was like? What well, did you think about it? I, well, I think it's just this mentality that. And everything, I think that truly defines how you run your business, but also how you kind of see your life. If you see everything as helping you achieve your minimum, like that there's a lack in your life, everything becomes a competition. Everything becomes something you have to protect. But I think when you have abundance, there's this level and idea of generosity that you have more, so you give more, and you're generous with your friends or generous with you know people that you see in the street just as a lifestyle thing. And mm. I think that mentality, the, the idea of a generous impulse is really interesting to me. Like, cause I think that mentality shapes how you see the world and both a positive and negative light. If you see the world as um, being a place of abundance, I think that really does set you up to see the world in a much more positive situation, I guess. Yeah. And, and not to, I mean, <laughs> I always think it's funny when someone's like, not to say this or not to be offensive, but so, but not to make this about race, but <laughs> <laughs> not to make this racist, but no. But what I, what I, I've been thinking about this lately, um, and it, it ties in loosely with this idea, but with just the idea that uh, maybe the African-American uh, disposition is not normally one of um, comfort, mm -hmm. okay? And so... They're okay being living. Um, I say they, we, I, or whoever. Um, maybe not even just the African American. Maybe the person in poverty 
is okay with being uncomfortable. And so the places where that plays out is in this idea of, you know, uh, living, having a mindset of lack. So what I mean is, because this is kind of a, an odd idea, but what I mean is, uh, since I'm okay with being uncomfortable, I'm okay having, you know, $200 in my bank account because I know that there'll be, you know, not, I'm not saying Dang. that's, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> no, I'm just saying as, a, as, an, as an example, I've been there, whatever, I'm not going to lie, I've, you know, it's been tough sometimes, but um, I might be okay with that, whereas with a mindset of abundance, someone who grew up very comfortable, they don't even, you know, for them, comfort is having $50,000 of liquid, you know, just nothing, just in their bank account for no reason, and that's just how they exist. And so I think about this quite a bit as far as it applies to race and just how I operate. You know, like, obviously, there's a lot of this, like, a, there's a lot of police being, there's, like, this thing in where police are calling, uh, police are being called by white people uh for uh, they're calling the police on black people for doing very mundane things like right. like grilling out or right. swimming or you know essentially for being black yeah yeah right and so but there's this idea that they think that they can call the police like that's a very interesting thing like I would never even have thought to call the police if I felt that way if I was like this person shouldn't be here my mind wouldn't go to calling the police my mind would stay uncomfortable I would just exist in my uncomfortability. Huh. And so I don't think that it's a negative thing that, yeah. that uh, people... Who, I, I don't want to make the distinction white or black, but it, that's just how it plays itself out in society. But that white people are... Or people who have the mindset of abundance uh, are just... They're just... I, I, this isn't negative. I just think that's just the way that they are. They're uncomfortable, therefore fix the uncomfortable. This happened to me the other day when I was getting... Man, why am I talking about this? Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, we're, I was, we're here, so let's yeah. just keep going. <laughs> uh, I was getting a, a poke bowl from my local... <laughs> local poke ramen. purveyor? Yeah, <laughs> local corner ramen place. And I got it super early on a Sunday. It was like, I called them at like 11.30, <laughs> yeah, on a Sunday. And I was really excited. I drove down there, got there around 11.40, and... Uh, I saw that they they took the, they took my order over the phone, but they didn't open till twelve. And so when I got there, I, was, I saw on the little sign that they weren't open till twelve. And I was like, "Dang it! Like, why did they take my order?" But whatever. It's like I'll just sit in my car and I'll wait until twelve because obviously they're gonna open the doors. I'll go in there at twelve, right? Okay. And I'll get my food. And then, and this is just an example. I don't think this is the end all be all. But after that, um, like literally two minutes later, a white guy walked up. And uh, I am assuming he had done the same thing because he looked in there and he tried the door and it was locked. And he was like, he looked in and I was like, yeah, buddy, you're going to have to wait. I didn't say anything, but in my mind, I was like, yeah, you're just going to have to wait, dude. But then he started knocking furiously <laughs> on the door, but they, they, they opened the door and you know what I mean? And so it was just like, it hit me like, oh, wow, like I'm so, I'm so like, okay being uncomfortable or mm -hmm. okay taking taking whatever I think the world's dishing out on me. And I wonder what that says about kind of this larger conversation of, uh, of racism and why things are going... You know, not that this is... Not that this would is the only problem that I'm seeing, but I do think that there's, there's two sides to every coin, and there is one side of me that, could have, that, that wants to start living the mindset of, no, I deserve to be comfortable. The world is mine, and I'm going to take it. Which sounds so like you just you saying you want a little bit of that white privilege. <laughs> <laughs> no, but give me a slice no, of that white privilege in my I, life. But, but what I'm saying is, I I inflicted my underprivilege in this situation unknowingly. In this situation, I didn't even knock on the door. I didn't even attempt to say. This is mine. You know what I mean? And I mean, listen, and this, this, is, this is a personality thing that goes in here that maybe this is just my personality and I'm just kind of like kind of relaxed and chill, you know. Um, but I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. These are my thoughts. You know, what I think what do you think, I, I think it's so fascinating because this manifest, and I don't know if this is personality based. Sure. Or just like because the, the way I am as a person. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I will say I think it is personality based because I've thought about this quite a bit. But I think that... 
there's sort of a common denominator maybe amongst the African-American generation that makes this personality more of the norm versus maybe... Well, it's like the nature yeah. versus nurture thing. Yeah, Impossible, sure. you know? It, because I, I've always assumed his personality, but you just saying this brings up these thoughts that my wife, who is white, is way more assertive than I am. Mm-hmm. I'm Mexican, for those of you that... Like in what situations? Me. Just, in just like where she's like, hey, you gotta, you know, if the situation's there, you kind of grab her by the horns and like... You call somebody, you make stuff happen, you get stuff done. And I'm much more the person that's like, you know what? Whatever, like this, I guess, well, it's like, I feel like I got a bad dish at a restaurant. I'd be like, well, I guess I'm just going to eat this because right. they brought it to me. Exactly. But she'd be like, no, like, I paid for this. I'm going to get my money's worth. And, and she'd send it back. Yeah. yeah. She'd send it back. And I'm, I I would be like, no, don't do that. It and would have to be really bad for me to send it, a yeah, dish back. Yeah, same. Yeah. And like, I mean, really, okay, if yeah. I, maybe at a really nice restaurant where I expect the quality, which... But all, it doesn't matter. That's neither here nor there. The point of the story, though, is that I feel that same way. I was raised in a Hispanic family, and being the only brown person in my, you know, my neighborhood, and also like in my whole town, really it felt like. And so I, I wonder how much of that is, even derivative of the fact that I was raised in a pretty largely minority situation, and my wife was the majority culture mm-hmm. in most places. And when she lived overseas and whenever she was a minority, um, they still had, the minorities still had the power in those contexts. Sure. Um, so, I mean, that, and that could be, I have no idea if it's personality-based or it's just like the, your experiences growing up. Because growing up, I was definitely under the impression that we did not have the same rights and privileges as other people because we were Mexican. Yeah. And so it definitely was more apparent, like, yeah, like you just, you don't get to speak up because... That's just the way the world works. Yeah, and you know, I and I, I will say that I don't. I think for me, it is a lot personality. I'm just more of a laid back kind of let things roll. Same, yeah. I think my sister, one of my sisters, is very outspoken. I think she would say something, and you know, more often than not. Um, but we also grew up with slightly different lives, you know, like or just in the way that we operate in the world. And so I'm, I'm just trying to think, you know, you know, sister brother studies, you know, like okay. How, how true is this in my s- small sort of microcosm of what I can see? You know, it's like, mm, is it really that bad? And I, I think what I said before is probably what remains true for me is that uh, whatever, like, uh, someone who grows up, you know, in majority culture or whatever, maybe they, they are just allowed to have this, this sort of, you know, being comfortable acceptability thing about them it just it's part of the personality that is allowed allowed to grow whereas for me it although I don't actually think I grew up limiting myself I don't think that I I never even under knew about you know racism or the struggle like I grew up pretty sheltered and so I didn't even think about it until like fourth or fifth grade you know, where I accidentally said the wrong word on a map when I was talking to my friends and I just pronounced something wrong and they were like, what? And I was like, what? Uh, but I'm also Nigerian. I, you know, my parents are Nigerian. The dialogue is not about, in our house, wasn't about race. And so yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't even think about it until very... Well, I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's, but those things are so embedded. Like I, it was yeah, funny. I was, in, I was, ra- like I said, I was raised in a white suburb of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know I was brown, really, until I was in college. When someone yeah. really pointed out to me, I was like, oh, shoot, yeah. I'm not white. <laughs> oh, day, It surprised me. But then I, I, things already cascading like, oh, yeah, people made fun of me all the time as a kid for being Mexican. And I leaned into it because I was kind of embarrassed by that fact. But it was like, oh, yeah, it's like, but I kind of like, um, it didn't really even sink in that that was a part of my identity. Like being, not being white was part of who I was and then looking back I was like oh wait that makes way more sense my like all these life experiences sure in the context of not being white everyone else knew it I just didn't know it right no I, I even just a few years ago I had a friend like I have like group of friends and to them I obviously when I look out into the world I lived in Colorado Springs all of them were white right and so that's just my group of friends but whatever I'm not like upset about it they were cool I love them but one of them at some point was like, "Ad, I just have to tell you that you're my only black friend." And I was like, "Huh?" What? <laughs> I was like, "Why? Why do you feel like you have to tell me that?" Like, <laughs> you know. But then it, it, it's it's certainly changed. Like in my mind, I look out and everyone looks the same. But in his mind, something's different here. Yeah. And he may, might not be acting the same. It was just this like awakened. Kind of what you're saying is 
I'm like, oh, all of my experiences, although I thought they might have been normal, when I look at them now, maybe this person did this because, oh, because I was black. Oh, and I don't think that's always true, but it sucks that we live in a world where yeah, the question my, that, that question yeah. exists, you know, like that that's possible. I mean, the other day, it's another example of this sort of uncomfortableness where I was watching the movie with a good buddy and we definitely have two different personalities. He is very much more assertive. He's also white, but whatever. Um, and he, and that's funny. I don't, I don't think I'm not assertive. I'm a very assertive guy. Yeah, I'd say so. Like, I, you know, but I'm just also very comfortable being uncomfortable. I'm very fine, like, you know, I, I just don't mind it. Like, I, but I don't know why that is. It's just, I don't, you know, I, maybe it's because I don't have a family. And so I don't think about, I'm single. So I'm just like, ah, I'm fine, you know. Anyway, that's another thing. This, we were watching a movie and, uh, uh, the, there was two people sitting next to us and or like a family sitting next to us with like little kids we were watching Avengers I think or something I can't remember what it was uh, but yeah we were watching Avengers that's what it was <laughs> <laughs> anyway because the story yeah we, it's, it's, it's funny because I watched Avengers with you right no, watch no. Black what, Panther. Do we, what do we watch together Black Panther no for your birthday oh uh, Star Wars or Solo Okay. Yeah. I was watching Solo. Okay. <laughs> but I didn't tell him that I'd already seen it. And so I felt bad. That's what it was. Wait. Yeah. And so I watched Maybe it. Maybe I was the friend that, because you'd already seen Solo when you saw it with me. But I didn't. No. No, I didn't. Really? Yeah. Because you'd seen it like opening night. Like, well, no, like I think I saw night, it like, three times. <laughs> yeah. Continue. This is not, not relevant. I, it is important to know that I saw Solo three <laughs> yeah, times. That is true. I, you know, <laughs> once for free and I have movie pass. So anyway. Okay, you're right. That's not integral. The, these kids were throwing things. They were loud. They were talkative. They were moving. They were bumping into us. And he knows that that would make me very uncomfortable. But I already seen the movie, so I ain't care, right? <laughs> and he doesn't know this. <laughs> anyway, so after he was getting uncomfortable, and, you know, he, there's nothing he could say. It's like little kids, right? Right. After the movie, he goes up to the staff. We watched the whole entire movie. He goes up to the staff, and he's like, hey, um, these kids were making noise next to us. We, you know, we're very unhappy. We, it ruined the movie for us. And they were like, okay. And he was like, well, I think you should do something about it. And they're like, what do you want? We can't give you your money back. He's like, well, he, then the, the movie, um, the manager's like, we can give you a free movie, like a ticket. And the guy, and then he was like, yeah, I think that would cover it. And so <laughs> the manager went to get, get us free movie tickets to come back and see whatever we wanted. And I was like, I would have never done that. Yeah. I would have never went back into, you know, I would have never thought that I was owed something in this situation. Or, and I don't think it's a negative thing. I'm happy that he have it. I still have that movie ticket in my car. I can go see a movie for free anytime I want. You know, but, I mean, I also have movie pass. <laughs> anyway, so it's just another example of like, you know, him living in, he's uncomfortable and he needs to be made comfortable. He needs to come back to this. And I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why we started talking about this. Was it because we were talking about... Uh, we're talking about abundance and lack. And oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the place of starting with it. But I do think that's really insightful because one of the things that I feel like I struggle with the most as a photographer is the fact that I really, really hate making my couples feel uncomfortable. And so putting them in situations where they may not be having a good time or they feel like I'm just pulling them along or stringing them along through whatever, like a field or making them walk super far, I feel like I'm super conscious of that. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like those are things I've been conscious of my whole life just with people like, oh, yeah, I really want to make sure people like because and but I do wonder if those things are embedded into just my upbringing or my personality is it mm-hmm. nature or is it nurture because um, even you just you t- sharing all this makes me re- even think back to my own childhood and recognizing that like I was the odd man out and I was the always the source of like difference in an equation and I'd never liked that about my upbringing I never liked mm-hmm. the fact that uh, people I was the one that made things different because sure. I was the one friend that wasn't white, or you know, and um, and I think my you know my friends growing up they always you know made jokes at, at that expense and stuff, and it wasn't until I, like I said until I was an adult that I really recognized that. Um, 
so I just do wonder, yeah, is that like me trying to appease the culture around me and really and balance equilibrium where like everyone feels good, like I'm not the source of making everyone feel uncomfortable again, because that's how I felt as a kid, and maybe I, I'm trying to fight against that even as an adult now with you know, sure. hot shooting weddings and stuff. Yeah, I don't think either either one of those are are bad. I think I mean what what I'm saying is what you've come to now. I think is a is a nice place that you you care for your clients and you care you're empathetic and you're watching what they're going through. I think I'm the same way. I'm very much like you know like okay, hopefully I'm not pushing them too far except for that except for that wedding yeah. we shot where I pushed right. them way too far and I felt really bad. <laughs> but I, uh, I do but, feel like I'm not making my strongest work sometimes because I feel like I don't push and I feel like there's sometimes no. I'm like looking at the light and like I want that shot in that place but I know that the couple's done I know that they're like they're checked out and well, I know then, like, don't, then don't do it but I mean like I'm also like but I like we talked about you know a few weeks ago where like I pushed my couple and the groom had said to me in the email later on like oh I, I, did, I feel like it was you know he's worth he's, it was worth it yeah he told me it was worth it but after the fact you know and so I know like I think there's that mentality of talking to my couples and being like hey I know, or even internalizing in my own head, like, I know that this is going to be worth it in the future. I've got to push through the uncomfortability because I know they're going to value it. Sure. Versus feeling like, nah, it's fine. Yeah, I would, man, I, I think that's a case-by-case situation. I think there are definitely times where I'm like, oh, this is banging. Let's stop the first dance and let's go, <laughs> let's go outside and take this photo. I obviously I never do that, but, <laughs> but in my mind I'm like, oh, we gotta get outside. And so there are times, and then there are times where I judge it. And I, I've lately learned that I don't have to give each client every single photo. Yeah, that's true. And I am, you know, there's gonna be another wedding, and I'm gonna have another opportunity as long as I kind of have this mental check in my mind that we've checked off all the boxes that I want them to have. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of how I'm kind of judging it now. It's like, all right, we have a lot of strong imagery. Let's make sure that we, um, like, let's make sure that now, because client experience is a really large part of what we do. And so how they feel on the wedding day is huge. Yeah. And so maybe you don't want the report to be, hey, he pushed me really hard, but we got really cool images. What if he just, what if the report was, hey, he didn't even push me that hard and we got really cool images? You know what I mean? Like, I think that's worth it. So, uh, hey, Hillary, how's it going? I uh, hope you guys, hopefully you guys heard that. That was Levi's wife, Hillary. Her first time on the pod. Is this her first time on the first pod? First time on the pod. First time on the pod. Um, what? Guys, uh, Levi, I have a really important question. Hit me. Uh, but I'm going to ask you about this right after the break. Here we go. Uh, okay, so photographer of the week this week, guys. It's this little segment, and I'm excited to uh, shout out uh, Joel and Justina. Do you know their work? I do know their work. I think that it is absolutely insane. It's innovative. It's cool. It's neat. So they do a lot of black and white photography. Uh, I'm sure they do a lot of color too but what what stands out in my mind <laughs> yeah what stands out in my mind are these uh sort of motion blurry images where they allow some movement or some play with uh with light and with motion and it's fantastic um it's just something that a lot of people aren't aren't saying they definitely have their own voice in in the wedding industry and i i remember i, I actually got to sit down with joel for coffee uh, and Justina, and they were talking about Stieglitz, and I always love when we have photographers who know kind of where they are in this long line of photographers that have come before them, and they know that they they study some of the old greats. And I say old, we've we're an old we're a newer art form, but you know they're not blind to who have come before them, and they're like actually putting their mark on the industry. I think that's awesome. I think their work's incredible. So check them out, Joel and Justina. They live up in uh, Canada. Out in Ottawa. In Ottawa, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's 
our photographer of the week. Uh, Levi, I'm making, I'm challenging you to have a photographer for next week. All right, I'll bring it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Check out Joel and Justina. You can look them up on Instagram uh, at Joel and Justina, I think. Probably. Probably. That's yeah. where you can start looking for them. Yeah, Joel, Joel, J-O-E-L, and Justina is J... U-S-T-Y-N-A, J-U-S-T-Y-N-A. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're awesome. Okay, um... Yeah, I think that's it. I think we did it. I think we, uh, this is a long, we went hard in the paint. (laughs) This is a long episode. We talked about some good stuff, so that's that's exciting. Guys, uh, also let us know if you have a photographer of the week, something you think that we should uh, pay attention to, someone we should look at. Hit hit me up on Instagram. Drop us a voice memo, you know? Don't do that to me. I don't want to listen. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Can you drop voice memos on the pod? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, we can drop them on the pod. People be like, this, my name is so and so from such and such a place, and I think oh. so and so is awesome. That'd be cool. Yeah, drop us a voice memo, uh, and give us a rating on Apple. You know, I mean, I'm not above asking for that. Let's do it. Don't rate us low. Rate us high. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, no, I'm not kidding. Rate us high. All right, guys. Uh, hope you're, you're having a this great Blacklight Podcast with Levi Tiarina and Adonia Jaja. Thanks for tuning in. You're saying my name wrong. Can I say it right then? No, that's it. Okay. <laughs> Let's get out.